Do you often get into arguments at Christmas? Today, we're going to be talking about some of the stresses that Christmas can bring, how it causes arguments, and what you can do about it so that you can have a more enjoyable and fulfilling Christmas. If you'd like to find out more about how to improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of free resources and our online course, The Relationship Maze. And you can take our free online conflict style quiz and discover your conflict style in relationship. Welcome to today's podcast and today we're picking up a topical issue of Christmas but more importantly you know, how to avoid those arguments and sometimes those huge disagreements that so regularly occur at Christmas. Mm, yeah because it's a time when families get together of course um, well for, for some people actually I have to so we have to clarify that for some people it's a time with uh, where families get together. For other people, on the other hand, it can be a time where they feel intensely lonely because they're not getting together with families. So, but let's focus on the ones, first of all, who do get together with families. And yeah. yes, it's really, you know, it's spending a lot of time, intensive time together where there's a lot of activity, lots happening in a short period of time. Yeah, and of course, not everyone celebrates Christmas. Yeah. But this could also relate to other celebrations throughout the year. I mean, whether it's birthdays, whether it's other mm. religious or spiritual celebrations celebrations, mm -hmm. they, they can all bring a similar dynamic. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly we're thrown in at these times of the year where there's like these expectations. Mm. And some of that is produced culturally. Some yeah. of it's produced through sort of advertising and sort of, you know, what we think we should be doing at this time of year. And it puts up all this sort of sort of huge expectation that we have to fulfill somehow. Mm. There's a strong narrative around Christmas time, isn't there, about yeah. this idea of um, happy families in particular. Yeah. That's what we get fed. That's what we expect. Yeah. Everyone gathers around the Christmas tree and is happy. Yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, there are cases where that can happen. Yeah. And, I, you know, I do know people that do <laughs> seem to have some happy Christmases. And, you know, that can happen. And mm. it can be a nice time mm. to be together, but obviously not for everybody. And like you said, some people are on their own and it makes them much more aware that they're on their mm. own. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that difference between that sort of expectation and stresses about the way it should be done because what we see on television what we see other people doing and I think every year it's like you know there's more and more advertising mm. about sort of these mm. sort of presents these sort of snacks and mm. you know it's like now um, I mean when, when I was a kid you know it's sort of you get fairly small presents and you'd be you know that'd be really exciting mm. whereas now the sort of you know, for, for kids, for example, it's sort of PlayStations, Xboxes, and, mm. you know, the cost that can be five, six hundred pounds, which was, you know, you'd never get anything like that in the past. But suddenly this pressure on parents or on partners to spend more and more because that's what seems to be done at Christmas. And I think, you know, that, that in itself produces a huge expectation. Mm, absolutely. So there, there are lots of different factors that come together here, really, um, in, in terms of the stresses that might come into play. So there's the financial burden, which is huge for lots of families, as you say, and there's a lot of uh, keeping up with the Joneses. There's kids who compare their Christmas presents at school. There's that kind of pressure and demand from the children often about, you know, I want this, I want that, because my friends have got that. So there's the, the financial burden. There is the, um, the preparation time in terms of preparing huge amounts of food, mm. you know, doing lots of shopping, cooking, cleaning afterwards. And then there's the factor of um, spending time 
together with family members, which might be very enjoyable. It depends very much on the relationship that you have, but it might be hugely difficult as well if you have, for example, in-laws or or siblings who you don't particularly get on with, then uh, it's not. Uh, it's really quite tricky and challenging yeah. to make the time successful together, right? Yeah, and actually, I think in a way, just right up for you know, right before we get into more of this, I think mm. it's normalising that a lot of the time Christmas is stressful. Mm. A lot of the time, there may be periods where there are disagreements, or you're not feeling kind of as happy as you think you should mm. do. Mm-hmm. And some of that expectation you should be feeling that way is from what we read, what we see on television, mm. you know, all these films where it's sort of the ha- Christmas is the happiest time of the year. Mm. And, and then you end up feeling guilty because you think, well, you know, I maybe wasn't as happy as I could have been, or maybe I hadn't made my family as happy, or maybe we had that argument, so I'm not fulfilling the way that Christmas should be. And I think Mm. right from the outset is to know that, you know, this happens with many people. Mm. And that knowing that, you know, if the Christmas has its glitches, that's completely normal. Mm. And it's trying not to kind of give yourself that hard time, take away some of that sort of guilt that you know, it wasn't as perfect as it can be. And I think it's that sort of, again, running up to Christmas, it's that idea we try and make things perfect for Christmas. Mm. It's also a bit, uh, maybe a little bit of a sort of a fantasy from childhood um, that we might have some distorted ideas about Christmas when we were children because it was a little bit more magical then, wasn't it? Um, Mm. To experience Christmas, to... You know, to do all the decorations at primary school, I remember that, um, in preparation for Christmas. Um, uh, the excitement of the presents, the excitement of not being able to sleep all night. Um, and then, you know, unwrapping the presents. Well, actually, in Germany, it was in the evening. That's when we celebrate Christmas. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of um, residue, I think, also, uh, in terms of what we remember from our childhood, which might be filtered heavily filtered because I don't think it was always very happy when I was a child Christmas but there's some of that that we want to pass on then down the line maybe to our own children yeah and and in a way I wonder sometimes if by setting up this magical Christmas for the kids Mm. we're actually leading them into years and years of stress (laughs) because they then feel they need to create this thing for their kids or their family so in a way you kind of wonder if that actually you know by trying to make this so special Mm. which is so exciting for kids of course Mm. but actually we're also providing decades of more stress yes because this this expectation is set isn't it somehow and if i really think back i mean i can think about sort of these uh, wonderful childhood moments uh, with christmas but if i think back to uh, my adolescence for example when i was a teenager when my brother and i were teenagers we used to have endless rows at Christmas, I remember that. We always mm. used to get, at some point during the evening, we used to get into an argument about politics or something like that. Mm. And then off we went. Uh, so it, it actually wasn't always very harmonious, my experience of Christmas when I was growing up. No, uh, absolutely. And I, I think that's uh, that's the other thing that, you know, it's these stresses. Because I remember, and I think mm. yeah, I've seen this with people I work with as well, in to more or less degree. Mm. But, it, you know, when I was growing up, it would be very much... You know, there'd be this strong expectation things have to be a certain way, particularly from my mother. Mm. And then when things didn't slightly go that way in terms of, you know, the cooking was slightly out, suddenly there'd be screaming and screaming for hours. Mm. Then, you know, it's trying to get my dad away from his bottles of whiskey. So it's kind of like it wasn't a good experience. And Mm. so Christmas, when I was growing up, Mm. provided, you know, quite a source of stress. Mm. 
And I think as a result, uh, I was left actually later on wanting to have good Christmases, but that would mean being away from my parents in a way, which sounds awful to say, mm. but there was that mm. dynamic where, mm. you know, there's that sense that family can bring a lot of pressure because, you know, of the dynamics at play. Mm. Um, whereas I think you had a slightly different experience in terms of you were left feeling differently about Christmas because of the stresses. Yeah, it was different stress because there was always there was there were always arguments. So that's sort of what I what I'm kind of remembering quite vividly: arguments either between uh, my brother and me as a united front against my parents, sort of arguing about something. My parents arguing with each other about something. Always sometimes my brother and I arguing about something. So we were quite an argumentative family. There was mm. <laughs> there was always it, there was always quite a lot going on in that way so it wasn't so much the stress about having a perfect Christmas meal or and nobody really cared so much about that or the perfect present but it was these these sort of interactions that were challenging yeah yeah and I think that's the same for, for many people it's, so it's these it's these interactions but mm. I think you know the focus of Christmas and in terms of some of those expectations they do add to that stress mm. because you know we're brought to, well first of all we're brought together more than we might be mm. Um, but there is also that sense that you know, there's a lot to do, mm -hmm. there's a lot to organise, yeah. and when there's a lot to do, it's going to provide that extra amount of stress, that extra amount of pressure, mm -hmm. which, you know, on top of that, uh, being overloaded already can, can trigger us off when normally we wouldn't be. Yeah, and it happens at a particular time of year, it happens at the end of the year when there is a, often a general sense of being exhausted already anyway, it happens uh, when the days are getting much shorter and uh, the nights are longer. So at a time when lots of people struggle with depression, for example, or with lower mood, um, and then there's yeah, and there's and then there you know, exactly this added layer of you know let's now prepare for Christmas and let's stress about what presents to buy for which person is it going to be the right present and also the financial burden yeah which also then um, picking up from that creates a lot of tension sometimes with couples in terms of um, expectations around that so one partner for example might uh, prefer to buy some smaller presents not spend too much money on it put the money away for holidays rather than blow it all at Christmas. Another partner might have an expectation that Christmas presents have got to be huge and meaningful and we've got to spend a lot of money on that. Yeah, and of course, I think that's one of the important things, that meaningful things don't need to be huge. Mm. So it's creating meaning in, you know, what's, what is your kind of spending limit? Because if obviously mm. you spend too much, mm. then you're going to spend a lot of the time the next year being stressed about what you spent and not being able to have that holiday. So, you know, and one of the things that um, quite a lot of people I know do is they kind of agree a sort of cap with mm -hmm. their partner, which yeah. takes away some of that pressure. Absolutely. That's a really good idea. Also, because it, it, it takes away that uh, challenging moment also when you both sit there and wrap your presents and one partner has gone to town to spent quite a lot of money on a big present and the other one hasn't. And there might be some disappointments then. Um, yeah. Oh, well, but you haven't spent that much on me. Might not be expressed, but it might be felt or might be thought. So if you have an agreement from the outset about, you know, what, what are we looking at here? Well, how much do we want to spend on a present? Then you avoid that kind of disappointment. Yeah, not only disappointment from the person that didn't get the biggest present, but also from the person who receives something that is a lot more than they spent, because mm. there can be guilt around that. Absolutely. So, the sense that, 
oh, well, we said we were only going to spend this yes. much, yes. but you spent this. And then there's that feeling of pressure of it, mm. I haven't fulfilled yes. you know, this. So there's, it can be both sides. I agree with you. So, yeah, this sense of I haven't done well enough here or I've let you down. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, presents, yeah. So the recommendation really would be to have that discussion ahead of Christmas already before you set out and buy your presents. What are our expectations here? What do we both agree on roughly in mm. terms of how much money we spend? What, what do we want to... Or, you know, do we not want to spend any money and set it, set the money aside or donate it to a charity, you know, just to have clarity around that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think it's a question of, you know, what might be the triggers that cause arguments? And we do, we mm. did create our mini course on how to handle arguments, which I think is really useful for any couple to do because, mm. you know, being able to handle conflict and arguments in your relationship is one of the most crucial things yes. in terms of making sure you have a long relationship. Yeah. You know, if arguments get out of control, mm. things fall apart. Yes. And particularly at times like Christmas when there's more pressure, mm. I do see with a lot of people I work with, I don't know about you, yeah, but yeah. There, there's more tendency that there may be arguments at this sort of period. Yeah, because there's uh, an under-expression very often. There's uh, often, it's not being said. Both partners don't clarify about what they have in mind. There's a lack of communication around that. There's an idea that they have in their head about this is what it's going to look like and both people have got this uh, an idea which might differ quite substantially. And then this disappointment about, well, hang on, that's not what I thought we were going to do here. So if you haven't sat down and clarified from the outset, you, you know, you're more likely to run into difficulties. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to have a structured way of having that discussion so that it doesn't get too emotional, which it might do when it comes to, I think, the next stressor that we need to talk about at Christmas is the relationship with the wider family mm. or with the relationship with uh, the family of your partner, for example. Mm. Um, that is very often, from my experience, a huge stressor in relationships. So there might you might have to sit down and talk about how you're going to approach that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that can be an incredibly stressful time. So, mm. you know, how, how are you going to approach that? And I think actually, mm. you know, that, that that's an important thing to explore. Um, I think thinking back actually over the last few Christmases that you've had mm. and thinking what were the triggers that caused you to get into conflict? Mm -hmm. So I think it's reviewing that because it could mm -hmm. be family, it could mm -hmm. be other things for mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. But I think actually taking a bit of time in advance and thinking... What, so what were the things that led to the stress? Mm -hmm. Well, it could be family. It could also be, you know, it tends to be towards Christmas. There's suddenly lots to do. And it's that being overburdened, which kind of leaves you in that state where you're more, your stress levels are higher. Mm. So you're more likely to kind of snap at things that, that you wouldn't otherwise. Mm. So what are your triggers? So identify those triggers, I think, is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have a choice, right? Either you can go and snap at your partner or you can do something about it uh, ahead of time yeah. Yeah, to, to regulate a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I wanted to come back to the, the question of family dynamics because I think that's such a big issue. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have, for example, parents-in-law who you get on really well, then great, you know, but what do you do when you really cannot stand your partner's parents, for example? <laughs> it's tricky, isn't know. it? <laughs> <laughs> Just don't see them as my... Yeah, well, but, I mean... I mean, that's the thing, when I was, you know, when I was younger, when my parents were alive, yeah. um, the, the idea of taking a girlfriend to my parents would, you know, at Christmas would have been 
completely, it would have been like the biggest nightmare ever. Right. <laughs> so I can't remember if I ever did. I don't think I ever did. I mean, I just think it was just, it was just too stressful a dynamic and I knew it was going to be too difficult. Yeah. Not for me, but yeah. also for, <clears throat> for the girlfriend. Else. It's like yeah. if I take a girlfriend to my parents at Christmas, I think the chances of them being my girlfriend after they had Christmas <laughs> with my parents were pretty slim. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, you know, but some people don't have that choice, right? Because there's no, pressure. No. Yeah. There's this pressure that <clears throat> in the family that, you know, we spend Christmas together, we come together. So, you know, the in-laws are going to be there. Well, I, I And think then you have you, to find a way. Yeah. I mean, at some level, you always do have a choice. Well, you're sure. But it has to be agreed. It sure. has to be, you know, it has to be agreed in terms of and it's feeling... That sense, that's the difference mm. between obligation. Yes. So there's that feeling of obligation, but is it really the right thing? And knowing mm. that sometimes, mm. you know, and maybe that some Christmases, it isn't the right thing. Getting together at a different time of year might be the right thing. Well, I think it requires some compromise, absolutely. Mm. And the compromise might be that one partner says, OK, we're not going to have my parents over because I know you don't get on with my parents, so let's leave it. Or the compromise might have to be on the other side. Well, I don't like your parents, but I know you love your parents, so let them come over and I have to find some way of managing that. Mm. I have to find some way of not getting too stressed when your parents, again, say something that I find hugely offensive, for example. Mm. So maybe I'll have to just sort of, you know, put a, you know, sort of just suck it up. For a day or two, for example. That could be, you know, that might have to be the compromise when you are... The, at the receiving end of hostility, for example, from your partner's family. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that may be something. How do, how do you manage that? How do you cope with that? Mm. Uh, but what do you feel about a uh, sense of if your partner wants you to go to their parents, but their parents can be hostile mm. towards you, mm. I'm wondering if there's that sense of actually the partner speaking to the parents or kind of having this agreement that you know th there has to be some agreement in a way that mm. we communicate to each other yeah. in order to do this I don't think it's okay to put yourself yeah. I th in fact I think it's totally not okay yeah. to subject yourself to a situation where you may be you know overtly criticized or kind of mm. you know emotionally abused in some ways yes. just because it's Christmas I agree absolutely and I think, again, it, it comes back to the conversation that you have with your partner about it, where you set some boundaries. Yeah. So what are the boundaries around mm. that? Um, what can we both agree is acceptable or not acceptable here? Um, and if absolutely, and if you come to the agreement as a, a couple that this is not okay, I'm not going to go to someone's home or have someone come into my home who's abusive, then, yeah, yeah. I think you can draw the line there and say, well, fine, we agree that we don't spend Christmas or any, you know, we don't spend that time together. You go and, you know, go, go there on your own the next yeah. day, for example. Yeah. But it's, there, are no, there are no hard and fast rules here, I don't think, about how you need to manage that. Uh, it's a conversation that you have to have with each other and yeah. an agreement that you have with each other about how you want to manage that. Yeah, and I think it's noticing as well for you what feelings come up that may get in the way of your mm. being able to have that situation where you, you can have mm. that agreement with your partner. Mm. Because it may be that sense of guilt that comes up for you that if you don't go to your parents, mm. then you're totally letting them down. Yes. Even though you know it's going to be a nightmare for you and your partner, mm. I think it's knowing that you know that sense of obligation and guilt is within you. And it may be kind of fed from the parents too of course yeah. but at the end of the day it's it's knowing that 
you know, you have a life and it's important to value your life as well and, you know, you, mm. the emotional well-being of your partner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to, that's right. So it's it's a question of your priorities, of course, And but they might be in conflict here. And I hear this again and again. They often are in conflict when there is a, a, a challenging or a strenuous relationship between the partner and the parents. It can be hugely conflictual. I mean, I work quite a lot with that with lots of couples. And there isn't an easy resolution here. Uh, it's just something that needs to be almost on a situational basis negotiated again and again. Mm. Um, but you can also think about it in terms of, well, how do we approach that as a team? Yeah. Yeah. So I know that, you know, for example, I might know that you don't like my parents, but so what can I do here to support you knowing that you find it really important to spend time with your parents and for the other partner the teamwork bit could be what can I do here when I notice that you, my parents are having a go at you and you're starting to get really stressed here how can I support you in that moment so what can you do as a couple to work together in these um, situations which are challenging Yes, and I, th I think that's sort of finding ways that, well, I, I, one, one, one thing that came to my mind as well is if you're in this situation, you know that it's going to be challenging, is mm -hmm. trying to find a different narrative to it in some ways. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about ACT and in terms of the internal dialogue where sometimes we might say something to ourselves such as uh, an ACT being acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we say to ourselves something like, oh, I'm never good enough, Mm. And we get that bad feeling that you know, we're not good enough. Well, being aware of how we say that to ourselves and we can diffuse from that thought. And what I talk, mean by diffusion is where the thought suddenly takes over and it feels like that thought is reality. Mm. You know, we could imagine, for example, that that thought has a different sound or a different quality to it like it sounds like a cartoon character or, mm. you know, the, the, mm. it just sounds in a very different way. And when we do that, suddenly... When we say I'm not good enough, but like Bart Simpson saying it, it mm. just sounds silly mm -hmm. and it doesn't have that pull. Mm -hmm. And I think we could apply some similar things in sort mm. of uh, when we go and visit relatives. Mm. Now, mm. obviously, there's a level of kind of acceptability here. And I don't I, I don't think it's OK mm. to be subjected to um, abusive comments no. continually by your partner's parents. I think there has to be a line. I agree, yeah. But if it's these little annoyances or some of these annoyances and you don't like them, but you, there's nothing that's so over the top that you, that you can't really find a real justification, mm -hmm. it might be thinking in your mind, how can you almost synthesise a character from a show to the parents? Like, mm. you know, we've been watching Succession recently. Mm. And there's some very, you know, the Succession, the show on, I can't remember which channel it's on, but basically yeah. it's yeah, the, the, the show where you have this dynamic of almost real stereotypes mm. in the sort of financial world and mm. sort of really bizarre behaviour in a family. Mm. And it might be that you think, OK, well, I can see my partner's parent as this character mm. and that character. And almost in the interaction, it's sort of playing out almost like some sort of soap opera or some exactly. sort of strange sort of uh, drama mm. on television. So it's, it's trying to create some sort of narrative to it, which can take away some of mm. being fully pulled into the moment of... Creating this, more distance. This, yeah, it creates a bit of distance. Yeah, so it's like anything. Exactly. I mean, I think this is a really good point that you raise here. It's also remembering that you don't have to be drawn into this drama. Mm. Um, that you maybe you can find some way of stepping away from it. You might have some barbed co comments coming your way, but you can just, you know, maybe 
you know, bounce them back. Don't engage with them necessarily emotionally. Yeah. And I know this is very easily said when, you know, mm. these dynamics have to, uh, evolved over many years usually and get very complex and it's quite hard to do that. But maybe you can try. Yeah, yeah and it's what you can do. And yeah. I know certainly years and years ago, probably about 20, 30 years ago, I was working with somebody who... Um, there was there was somebody that they worked with actually who would give them constantly give them a hard time and mm. they felt belittled and they couldn't get out of a situation but in their mind they imagined we, we came up with this image and imagined this person a bit like a puffer fish that when they were speaking <laughs> their cheeks puffed out and they, the funny expression in the lips and strangely you know it, it had a huge impact that whenever this person starts to kind of speak to them in that way they just couldn't help but see this puffer fish speaking and it, <laughs> it took exactly. away a lot of the dynamic yeah. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was you know it can be quite effective not necessarily always but it's worth giving it a go i think that's a really good point that's great um, i'm just sort of thinking another sort of moving on a little bit in terms of another stressor that often arises uh, at christmas it's the parenting because obviously when you have children you are spending more time as a family, which you might not be used to in your daily routine because one or both of you are working so and, and the children are at school. So now comes the holiday period and you're all at home and there's chaos. So quite a lot of chaos when you have younger children. There's also this question around how do you parent together? And I think, again, I think it's a question of preparation Having this discussion ahead of uh, the period, uh, the Christmas period, about how we're going to manage that, can we, for example, allow each other to, for one of us to go for a walk on their own and get a bit of a break away from all the chaos in the house? Um, you know, or how do we manage the, when the kids get high on their sugar hits and run around like mad in the house? How are we going to manage that together as a couple? <laughs> right. Some things I suggested so suggest that that actually isn't from a sugar hit. It actually <laughs> is more of a placebo that's around that. So well, I, don't, I don't know whether that's true or not. But, it's well, a, but yeah, idea. but how do you manage it? And absolutely, it's sort of... Building in time for self-care, I think, is also the yeah. thing which fits into all of these. And, mm. and, and um, yeah, so it's, it's finding time to self-care, look after yourself, take that break, mm -hmm. make sure you make space for yourself. Mm. You know, obviously, a lot of the time, there's that on pressure to think of everybody else. And, but you also need to look after yourself. You have to kind of care for yourself so you can be there for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely. Maybe the message will leave that's the, with that's the main message. This. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll end with that message today. So make sure that you know. I think at Christmas you care for those you love, but also care for yourself. Show yourself some self care. And yeah, and our, our mini course on arguments is mm -hmm. on our website, therelationshipmaze.com, which has lots of resources and tips about how to kind of manage conflict in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So please tune in next time, and we look forward to speaking to you then. Take good care until then. Bye. Bye.